is he breathing? And just that kind of thing. And I would just linger there. And then I became a mom, and I would worry about bad things happening to my kids. And for me, I had a problem with worrying about my kids getting sick. I mean, kids get sick. I can look back now and say that, but I worried. I think I worried that it wasn't just a childhood illness every time. I'm not sure. But it was an ongoing thing for me. And being a wife and a mom was really my dream come true. It was the things that I, those were the things I wanted most in life. And so I had to learn to trust God with those gifts because he had given them to me and I wasn't enjoying them fully because I was so worried that something was going to happen to them. So um, I went, I, I've been a believer. I, I knew that God told me to trust him, but I didn't really know what that looked like until I started growing and, and learning about it. Um, I went in and out of seasons where I trusted, but not wholeheartedly. I just didn't get all the way there and give him my whole heart. Um, as I grew to know him more intimately, I grew in my trust, but in, I'm kind of fast-forwarding. The spring of 2012, um, I started experiencing some physical symptoms that were unusual for me. I mean, so I knew, you know, something was wrong. And I began to fear. My old friend, I just say, my old friend Fear was knocking at my door and... I decided, because of these symptoms going on, that I was going to let him in, and I was going to be afraid about whatever was going on with my body, because that's one of my fears, is sickness. Um, so I let my thoughts run free, and, and what ifs, imagining different things that really weren't true, like what if I have a terrible disease, or what if I... die my children don't have a mom and what I don't what if I have to go in the hospital for a long time or what I mean just I don't know if you can identify but I was going down roads that were just not healthy um what if I never find out what's wrong what if I feel bad every day for the rest of my life so this went on for about a a year there I didn't feel well for a year um all different things and so when I voice these now they sound irrational and they don't make sense really but at the time, I was gripped with fear over those things. Um, and the symptoms continued and got worse. And no medical tests were showing anything. And it was just, it was just kind of a snowball. Um, but we, there was no diagnosis of anything. Um, so I, I should also tell you at the same time, I really wasn't voicing these things. Millie's nodding her head. No, you weren't. Um, wasn't telling my people that what I was thinking in my mind, and that was making it worse. And so um, by January of that year, um, of the next year, 2013, my mind and my body were exhausted, just done, exhausted. And so that was really hard. Um, the Lord tells us not to worry, y'all. He, and I know now that that's not a suggestion. It is a command. Um, he knows what can happen to us when we do that. Um, I wasn't taking this, this word from him seriously. I was letting my thoughts go, like I've been telling you, um, spending time thinking about things I was afraid of. So this was the lowest point, um, really, that I got to in January of that year. Actually, at a, I realized it when we were at a Nest leadership meeting, and um, I just kind of bawled and cried. And um, I, it wasn't like a feeling of a black cloud over me. I think some of us know what that feels like. It was more like a black sky. Like, I couldn't get out from under it. And it was nothing like I'd ever felt before. It was oppressive and heavy, burden feeling. And even it became like even the smallest task was overwhelming to me. I just didn't, I couldn't really think and do things 
this is not a long time, but it, it went on for just a couple of weeks. And that, to me, now is still a long time to not be able to think right. Um, looking back now, I can see several things were playing in. I mean, obviously stress, and, and I was bringing that on myself, my lack of control over my thoughts, my sin. Um, but other things were my age. I was going through perimenopause. Um, I was, my hormones were wildly out of balance. And so it kind of all was happening at the same time. And the Lord was letting it happen. He allowed it. He knew. He knew all these things were going to kind of come together at the same time. Um, but when, and, and he allowed me to go through it, and, and he was with me. But when I asked him to show me my sin, um, he was quick and gracious. And he said, look, you are out of control with your thoughts. Um, this week, Braden Brown, I don't know if you're reading the journey this week, but um, high school kid, and his reflection was, I loved it, and I wanted to put it in here because this is really just the whole thing in a nutshell. The best way to confront and overcome our fears is to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And I wasn't wholeheartedly trusting him. Second Chronicles 16.9 promises us the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him, um, whose hearts are fully committed to him. I wanted that fully committed heart. Um, and then I could see that I hadn't had that um, <clears throat> before. So I confessed uh, to the Lord, to my people, my friends, my family. Um, I hadn't been trusting him with my whole heart. And he forgave me, and he began to heal me quickly. Uh, and Philippians 4.8 became life-size to me. I'm going to read it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. This is what brings peace in the next verse, verse 9. It's a promise. It's also a command. Um, so when I called for help, when I told other people, when I brought it to the light, um, the Holy Spirit assured me, my doctor affirmed me, helped me, my community prayed for me, encouraged me, kept me accountable, um, and my family just ran to, to be there, you know, for me. And <clears throat> um, I can say now, <clears throat> the struggle was worth it. I can say again, I'm not who I was. I don't not struggle ever with worry, but it is not anywhere near what it was to me before. And I walk on in a different way now. Um, Just a few things to add. Um, I realize he's a God who makes provision for me. He goes before me. He knew this was going to happen. But remember that he, wherever you are, He works it all together for good for those who love him. And I love him. So I know um, that he is there and he is in total control. So all of this caused me to just hold faster to him, to dig deeper into the word, to pray about more and more things. And that is something that I'm still really working on, just to pray over every situation that comes to my head like, and might cause me to think, oh, I need to worry about that. Um, I depend on him to fight my enemies. There are so many promises about him fighting our enemies that we can hold on to. Um, So he used the trial, really, to show me how frightening it can be if I entertain undisciplined thought life. Um, Or really any area of disobedience in our lives, I think, would be the same. Um, He deepened my faith. He built my trust. 
and he retrained me, helped me to retrain my mind and know where to go when I'm faced with a potential worry. Um, so again, I mean, this is my story. You might find yourself in a struggle or in, a, in, a, in one of these situations, anxiety, worry, even depression, for a different reason. It might not be because of your own sin. Mine, wa- mine was in big part due to that. Um, so all of our you know, circumstances look different, but we know that our God doesn't change. The God that did this for me is ready to do for you what you need and what he knows you need. Um, so I did want to go into a little bit, like, what do we do when something hits, something happens like this, um, and we get low down? Um, what are the practical day-to-day things? So just quickly, and I know we're going to talk through a little bit more of these, but when you find yourself in crisis, I just wanted to kind of do like a little before, during, and after. My part would be before a season of crisis, be practicing the spiritual disciplines. If you're a watermark <clears throat> regular We are talking about that in community right now. All the things, the core values at Watermark, the spiritual disciplines, devoting time daily to our time in the Word, to the Lord, to intimacy and communicating with Him. Um, Examine our hearts. Be looking in your heart. You know, what is a besetting sin of mine? Um, He's most concerned with the condition of our heart. Most concerned with where we are uh, in our heart. And then just praying about everything, like I said, just putting on the armor of God, pray through scripture for yourself because that's why it, one huge reason why it's there is to, for us to take it on. Uh, we're vulnerable without that armor. And um, I did put Ephesians four twenty two in here. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. That was my old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Be sure to be serving, worshiping, living in community, and be sure not to be thinking, that's not going to be me. Um, We always talk about how prideful we were in a way. Well, not in a way. We were prideful thinking, ugh, depression, depressed people. I mean, get up, get ready, go out and do things. You know, you can pray yourself out of this. You can lift yourself up. Well, that's not the truth all the time. Um, that's a place of pride. And that was me. That's what I thought. <clears throat> oh, also, not to forget. Um, okay, wait. That's later. Okay, so during, maybe during the, the trial, the struggle, keep practicing the di- spiritual disciplines. That's why you're doing them and so that they come naturally to you. So just keep doing what you know to do. That, we, that I just said, being in the Word, those things. Um, ask for help. Be, be patient with God and be patient with yourself because he is at work. If you know him, if you love him, if you belong to him, he is at work full time in your life. Um, and then know the truth about medications. Just know that they're only a little part of healing sometimes some, for some people and not for some people. But um, if you do go that way and you are you know, told that that would be helpful to you. They're not a complete answer. They're just one little part of the puzzle. Um, And then always be praying. I feel like, just should I keep taking it or do I not need it anymore? Just always be laying that before the Lord. Um, If you you take medication or if you get to that point, you know, that's not always a forever thing. So it may just be something that, you know, he's using um, for a time. And then God's part, just remember, he's the lifter of our heads. That was huge for me. 
He is my shepherd. He is leading me, defending me, protecting me, all the truths from his word. He's good. He's trustworthy. And then afterward, um, you know, you're going to come in and out of seasons probably that are difficult. So just practice trusting him one situation at a time. That's what I learned. And then practice contentment um, where he has you. Thank him for his work in your life, and don't forget to tell other people what he's done and how he has grown you and changed you. Um, going forward, one of my daily goals is just to have a steadfast mind. And doesn't that sound great? Is to have a steadfast mind for all of us. Um, and I've experienced that and freedom as I just continue to keep those scriptures in my mind. What do I do with, where do I put my mind? And so I wanted to end with my part with this verse of Romans 8. Um, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the, that nature desires. But who, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. And isn't that what we all desire? And isn't that what God promises us? Um, so my prayer for me and for you is let's just let the Holy Spirit have control over our minds um, so that we can live that life of of peace and rest and abiding with him that I know he wants for us. So thank you for listening to my story. No. Did I take too much? Sorry. Okay. Okay, so. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Hello? Hello? We're so awesome. Hello. Great. Okay, so, yeah, I'm Morgan Buchek, and uh, I'm going to share with you guys my experience with postpartum depression. So I had my first baby, a boy, in 2008, another boy in 2010, and then a little girl in uh, beginning of 2012. And we also have another boy that I had a year ago, but my postpartum hit after I had my third. So when I was pregnant and a brand new mom, I would read material from um, the OB office or the hospital that would uh, give, that would always list signs of postpartum depression. And the last two were always uh, thoughts of harming your children or thoughts of harming yourself. And I would read that, and I thought that was out of this world insane. I'm like, who goes that far into crazy town after having a brand new precious baby? Like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. No, but still, it was my uh, it was my first baby, so I thought I'd kind of be on the lookout. Didn't really know what to expect, and uh, I found that motherhood brought me so much joy. I loved it from day one, and that is not the case with all moms. Just as a side note, and if that was you, that is totally there is no shame in that. You were in that just didn't happen to be my story, but. Um, yeah, I loved it. So I thought I'm in the clear postpartum. That just doesn't happen to me. Like I'm a happy person. I'm full of joy. And, you know, I think subconsciously just uh, kind of, you'll see a theme of pride throughout this. <laughs> I'm sure I thought that postpartum probably hit women who were uh, overly dramatic or constantly the victim or were in bad marriages. And that didn't happen to me. You know, I've got, all, I'm a happy person. I've got all the boxes checked. I'm in community. I love Jesus. I'm abiding with him. I've got a great marriage. So anyway, you can, you can see where this is going from that, right? Yeah. So um, I found towards the end of my pregnancy with my second and up until he was about six months old that I had a, 
um, kind of an apathy towards life that I'd never really experienced before. But I thought I was just mellowing. I thought I was just kind of just getting to be a chill mom. You know, that's my second, it's my third. But I, I wasn't really surprised when I had it again with my third. But when my daughter was about two months old, I remember thinking that I was really looking forward to getting a full eight hours of sleep because I was starting to have very scary thoughts of what if I like fill in the blank on doing something horrible to my children. Um, these thoughts would come in like the quiet, precious moments of either nursing at night or playing with them upstairs or when they were just being like ridiculously cute. Um, <clears throat> And I thought, okay, clearly my mind is just getting stuck in a trench due to lack of sleep. But even after she started sleeping through the night, right at three months, the thoughts didn't go away. Uh, I know now, in, in retrospect, that kind of what, that, what that's about is um, it's just kind of like a twisting in your sleep-deprived state of, and very hormonal state of um, just kind of a mother's worst fear. Um, and also just kind of the power and control you have over this brand new life. Um, coupled with kind of like a self-sabotage of like, what if I, what if I do something just ruin, you know, like what, what God's given me in this gift, like the, you know, best thing of experience. So, um, anyway, so when she started slipping through the night and the thoughts didn't go away, I just kind of internally started to quietly panic. Um, it was honestly the darkest place I'd ever been. And I had no idea what I'd done to get myself there or how to get out of it. So I started thinking, okay, this is a spiritual battle in my head, and I'm going to win. I'm going to hold every thought captive to Christ. Um, I mean, I seriously, like, it was like telling myself not to think of a big pink elephant. You know, I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to, every time I get there, I'm going to memorize scripture, and I'm going to recite it every time. And I'm, you know, I, I felt like I would go into those, you know, like, middle of the night to go nurse my baby, and I'd be like, I'm going to judo chop the enemy when they come to get me and my thoughts and uh, but I just found that like the harder I tried to not think those thoughts, it's like the less successful I was. It was like an inverse relationship to where I'm like practically, you know, just mentally huddled in the fetal position, like trying to get these thoughts away from me. It's like I was, uh, I think about it sometimes, like it's like I'm eight years old and I'm scaring myself, you know, where you like do the say bloody Mary like three times in like the bathroom with it. It's like, oh, no. so, um, I mean, it was just, it's funny now, but like at the yeah. time it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Um, so, you know, like I said, I memorized scripture to think of any type, anytime I felt my mind drifting towards dark places, but, um, to my dismay, it wasn't the magic bullet that I thought it would be, you know, and now I know the Lord, um, it's not that God's word had failed. So don't hear me say that, but he, this was a a deep water that I, you know, that I, the Lord wanted me to go through or was allowing me to go through, um, that would not have a quick fix. Like he is not a genie in a bottle. And essentially it's what I was desperately wanting him to be at that time is, you know, I was wanting it a, uh, apply the verse and your problems will go away, you know, immediately. And, um, so anyway, this was going to be something deeper and longer, um, that that just wouldn't fix like immediately. So I was trapped in, I was trapped in silent terror, honestly. And when she was about three and a half months old, um, I convinced myself that if I even got remotely close to hurting one of my children, I would immediately go into the bathroom and down a bottle of ibuprofen. And uh, this to me, honestly, it, it sounded like a sensible plan. It was like, okay, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to die. Yeah, okay, it's unfortunate. But the kids will be protected and I'll save my family and my church from the shame and horror that would come from a mother harming her children, you know? And so while one part of me thought like, okay, that's plan A, there was another part of me that was going like, no, 
no, that's bad. That's bad. You know, <laughs> white flag here, white flag. That's suicide, Morgan. Don't. So um, just totally Lord's provision. Years before when I had my first, um, I had heard of a woman related to my stepmother who had actually killed herself when her daughter was four months old. And at that time, I just dismissed it as total lunacy. I'm like, who does that? Like, what? I mean, even if it's a hard year, just get through that year. Like, just did not compute at all. So I had forgotten about that story. And literally then, like, when I was at the place where I was like, okay, ibuprofen, plan A, and thinking like, okay, wait, no, I'm just, plan A is suicide, Morgan. Like, what? The Lord brought that story to mind. And I literally, I remember I was standing in my kitchen. I literally gasped and went, oh my gosh, I'm there. Like, I'm there. Like, I get it. What? So that was um, just another, just his provision on just going like, guess what? Like you're, you're in postpartum depression, basically. Two other red flags I noticed about myself at this time was um, I often felt out of body. Like I was kind of disconnected. You know, and we hear that phrase a lot, but it's like, I felt very disconnected physically and mentally. Almost like, it's like I was hearing myself talk a lot or, and that's like, I was kind of watching myself go through the motion of life. Just very bizarre. Um, and then another thing, another red flag I realized was when I thought back to Morgan and who Morgan is and everything that made up Morgan, her likes and dislikes, her personality, I realized that that was just a memory. Like, okay, wait, that's, I'm not anywhere near there now. Like I'm 180 degrees from the Morgan I remember being, you know, just my whole life. Uh, I still wasn't thinking, I honestly, at that time, I still wasn't thinking postpartum, but I started, um, I started researching online and real, and which was, uh, it brought me a lot of comfort just online. I think just the anonymity people have, like just sharing their experiences, it helped me realize I was not alone. And then, and I realized that I was, I was swimming in deep waters of postpartum depression. And in retrospect, I honestly, I can't believe I'd missed the signs for so long, you know, I'd chalking it up being the third kid, you know, and not having it really with the first or second, I thought, I really thought I was in the clear. So I just didn't even read anything about it. Didn't think about it. Um, another thing about, um, postpartum depression is it, it can look different for every woman. And so I was expecting, um, a lot of tears, sadness, you know, uh, now I know one thing my OB told me, she was like, no, apathy is, is classic depression, which I didn't know at the time. So, um, so once I realized that I, um, I called my OB's office, I figured she's seen everything. So, and I kind of gave a soft confession. I called a soft confession because it was, you know, kind of a safe place. I told her that week and told her I had scary thoughts and burst into tears in her office. And, um, but I knew that the Lord wanted me to pop this massive bubble of secrecy and shame and bring it into the light to the people in my life. So to my husband and my community, um, I was just, I was fighting this on my own and I was failing and, um, and I knew that was what he wanted me to do. So, um, I've, I've been walking with the Lord since I was 18 and I know, and I've experienced, there is so much healing and confession and in bringing things into the light. Um, I've experienced that so many times, but still like with this, I was scared to death to bring this out into the light. So I'm like, what if they take my kids away from me? Like, what if my friends never let me watch their kids again? What if I forfeit my spiritual reputation? You know, like pride, like that's another aspect of that. So um, I, uh, I'm like, why didn't I just get like the, the postpartum where I'm just afraid to put the kid in the car? At least, you know, at least that's more socially acceptable. So anyway, but still I'm like, hi, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt my children. Like what? You know, just, oh. 
So I was mostly afraid of telling my husband, not because he's a tyrant or, you know, uh, harsh or anything like that, but just because, you know, mainly they're his kids too. And I just knew that being the first step of bringing it into the light, his response would kind of set the tone for how I get on the road to healing. And so when I finally poured out everything to him, he could not have responded more Christ-like. He said, and I'll never forget, just verbatim, he said, babe, he said, I mean, I told him everything. He said, this doesn't scare me. I'm not worried. He said, this isn't you. This is something that's happening to you, but we're going to get through it. Just don't lose hope. And at that time, I was absolutely hopeless. I was thinking I was going to be stuck here forever. And never, not once, did he hold the kids tighter around me or hesitate leaving them with me. He would just say, what do you need me to do? Do you need me to take the kids? Can I leave the baby here? What, what, what do you need from me? And so, and which was just, you know, such a gift because I, I felt like I deserved that. I deserved for him to hold the kids tighter. You know, I deserved for him to take them away and be suspicious, you know, but he never, he, I mean, he just trusted the Lord. He knew we were going to get through it. And he didn't, he didn't treat me like the monster that I thought I was. Um, So I knew that morning after confessing to him that I was on the road to healing. So I wasn't yet up to solid ground, but for now I didn't feel like the rocks were moving beneath my feet. Um, So I never thought in a million years that I would need or want antidepressant medication, but after being in that state of mind and not being able to pull myself out of it, kind of like she talked about the black sky, I wanted it now and I wanted 10. Like immediately, give me the drugs. I don't care. Like go for it. So, you know, at that time getting to that place, I had to kind of really evaluate my heart as to, um, behind why I didn't want to take medication. Um, and what I found there was really ugly and prideful. Um, I didn't want to be quote, another Christian woman on meds. You know, we all hear that. I don't know if you, you know, like me or I hear statistics and I'm like, oh, 80% of, I don't know what the statistics is, but like Christian women or Christians are on antidepressant medication. You know, and we think, oh, God, what? you know, and so I felt like a hypocrite. Honestly, I felt like I want to be like, Jesus is my all in all. He is my everything. Well, I, just, I, need, I need to get my little happy pill here. You know, just, he is my all in all, but I can't live without my little happy pill. So that's what I felt like. You know, so, and I will tell you what's wrong with that just blanket judgment, um, lest you be sinning like I did, was uh, you cannot make, first of all, these are people that Christ died for. And to make a blanket judgment on those who take antidepressant medication, um, in your heart, you're kind of deciding how weak or strong they are emotionally or spiritually. And man, these people, we are precious to the Lord. And it is perfectly okay, you know, when you are doing life with somebody to press in on that as to why and what, you know. Um, But that is a, you cannot make a blanket judgment on that. And honestly, like if for no other reason that I went through this than to expose like the pride I had in that, then amen. So more on that in a little bit. Um, I had to be really patient on the road to recovery. It was not a quick fix. The medicine helped keep my thoughts from getting stuck. Uh, but it was a full year before I really felt like myself again on a daily basis. So three takeaways I have, um, just things that I would not replace ever that the Lord, um, taught me in this, uh, was he brought me low. He brought me low in the eyes of myself, the world and the body of Christ. Not that the body of Christ saw me like that, but in my eyes, I, you know, that's how I saw myself. Now this is a, it is a glorious thing to be brought low because God's economy and what he values is so different than ours. Um, 
I don't know why it happened to me, but it, uh, it refreshed an awe and a reverence for the Lord that he is God and I am not, and I am not above anything or anyone. He is ultimately in charge of my mind. I can fall and hit my head. I can get amnesia or Alzheimer's and everything I've worked towards in my life, as far as learning and ministry and scripture memorization or even personality be wiped away. And I'm not in control of that. He is. And guess what? He's still my savior in the midst of that. Um, that's, you know, gosh, that, that was absolutely worth it in spades. Romans 8.38 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even crazy brain and uh, not even when in my eyes, I am most unlovable. I went through what I thought would, and this is different for everybody. Um, feeling like I was losing my mind made me very unlovable in my eyes. And the Lord reminded me like, your salvation and my love for you is not dependent on you. You, I mean, the beauty of Christianity in that on, um, oh, just, just the heart of God and what he values and that it isn't dependent on me. And he is still my savior when I feel like I'm, I'm losing my mind. Um, that is, it's, it's absolutely precious to me. So, uh, number two, he brought me to a place of compassion I never would have known for women that go through this. And even more for people we just very flippantly label crazy. I mean, think about how many times you use the word crazy to describe people or yourself in a day. I mean, we throw that word around like water all the time. It's crazy, I'm crazy. We're all crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, but, you know, for people who are really crazy, we often just don't know what to do with them. And I would say like at, before this, my spiritual posture towards people with mental illness or postpartum or bipolar or schizophrenia or anything like that was a little bit, was just a little bit more like, Oh, a little bit more shrink back. And after this, it is lean in open arms. Um, and I, I saw this quote somewhere and thought it was worth repeating because the mentally ill are the weak, fragile, and vulnerable among God's people. And we know that God has a special place in his heart for the weak, fragile, and vulnerable. Jesus cares for the weak, and we are privileged to care for those whom he cares for. Um, so Psalm twenty-two, twenty-four says, He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And you just have to go in the Psalms or scripture for 10 minutes before you see how precious those who are laid low are in the sight of God. And so anyway, bringing me to more compassion to that was definitely... Um, something I wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Uh, number three, and Jill touched on this, there is no healing without confession. So I'm convinced that gratitude and confession are key ingredients to spiritual health. There is just something supernatural about bringing things into the light that thinking about bringing things into the light won't bring you. Um, and he says that in scripture, James five sixteen, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It brings freedom. And even on the way here, I was thinking about just this, uh, the massive bubble of, of secrecy and shame. And the Lord, I knew he wanted me to pop that and bring it into the light, not to follow a rule uh, or even for me to be up here today talking to you guys, but because he loves me and he wants to bring me to the road to healing. You know, so, um, so trust that it, it is a huge, whatever you're going through, um, we try to control it. We try to control it. We try to fix it on our own. But man, you can just cut short that road of anguish by bringing it out into the light to the people in your life um, sooner than later. Uh, and there's so much healing there, but, you, but it is an act of faith. And I think that's why God honors it. Anything not of faith is sin. And it is a huge act of faith to tell people 
how you think you're crazy or to tell people what you're going through, how you are wrought with anxiety and worry. And that in and of itself, the Lord honors and brings healing to. So uh, that is my story. What time is it? Can you show me what time it is? Ooh, girls. All right. (laughs) Buckle up. I'm going to go real fast. Uh, No, y'all are good. I just... I'm telling y'all, I try to cram way too much in one day. Um, I'm going to shorten my story just a little bit, just so I don't have to unpack the whole thing for y'all. But I, the way God wired me, I am a extremely um, deep feeler. I am a processor. Mm, I'm, I might claim to be the best processor out there. And I see the world in very real and colorful ways. So everything's pretty intense to me. Except for I did see that stupid dress in white and gold, and it still bugs me. Okay, so with that, I, the counter of those things is that I will carry burdens that I'm not supposed to carry. I'll get bogged down in the process, and the world can get extremely overwhelming. So two different times in my life, I dealt with depression. One was in 1997, circumstances, a guy, I guess you'd call it broke up with me. I don't know if we were actually ever dating, but I actually thought I was going to marry him. So my heart was broken, and then... Um, same time I was a nanny and I was an extremely miserable job and I started processing and dealing with my pain and my body went into a depressed state to the point where every morning at 3 a.m. I wasn't sleeping. I would go watch the rifleman for an hour so I could make myself go back to sleep. Um, just put a little bit of age on me too, probably. During that time, um, I walked through my emotional pain with other people, friends and a discipler, but my body shifted into or chemicals, like I, my, literally my entire body shifted into a depressed state. So I had to get on medication. And I'll never forget the morning that I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, this is what normal people actually feel like. And so then I cold turkeyed myself. Don't ever do that if you're on medication. So then I had to reverse that. Um, but if I had not dealt with the actual unbelief and the pain in my life, my body would have, I would have spiraled back into it the moment I went off the medication. Another round came just a few years ago when I had a lot of circumstances. Four people in a matter of five people in a matter of four months died in my life. I had significant conflict with one of my closest friends. And that fall, I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease, which led me on a course of doctors, medicine, and pain. In the midst of that, my body cried out again. I wasn't sleeping except for maybe an hour a night. There were times I sat with friends and asked the question, am I actually a believer? Like, I couldn't feel the Lord. I was like, maybe I'm really not. This whole whatever, how many years this has been, has been a complete farce. I prayed whether or not I should get back on medication, and this time the Lord was clear. He did not want me to go that route, but to continue to walk with Him and others. While each of these circumstances in my life led me to a depressed state, all the courses of action were different, but there were intense similarities. Both of them were spiritual problems. God was calling me to a deeper place of faith and trust, and he was revealing more of who I am and more of himself to me. I think a lot of times we get in these situations, we ask ourselves, is God in this? Is he actually up to something? And the answer is always yes. Always. He's always up to something, and he's always in it. So I think that's, we got to, I think that's something I have to keep telling myself, like, he is in this. Is that my earrings doing that? Sorry, sorry. Sorry, that's really annoying. All right, and there's so many things he can be up to. Breaking our control, revealing our sin, deepening our heart for others, connecting us with Christ's sufferings, showing us how much he loves us. We won't always know, but we can be sure he's up to something. Now, whether you're a believer or not, which I'm not going to assume you all are, the truth is, is God's the only God. He's the ruler of this universe, and he's in control He's good, and he doesn't make mistakes. So the question is, is do we actually believe that? Do we believe what God says about himself? 
So what I want you to do on the back of your card I gave you, flip it over, and I want you to write what you know to be true about who God is, or it may just be what you've heard to be true about who God is, and write it down whether you today believe it or not. So just write those things down real quick. All right. Just set that aside. We'll come back to that in a minute. All right. So here's what we know. We've said that he is in control. Scripture tells us the Lord of heaven's armies has sworn this oath. It will happen as I have planned it. It will be as I have decided. Only can I tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. Can't tell you the number of conversations I've been in with people. And I say, hey, are you mad at God for what happened? Like the circumstances where you are, are you mad at God? And about 90% of the time, the response I get is, well, no, who, you're not supposed to be mad at God. I'm like, of course I'm not mad at God. I'm mad at so-and-so. I'm mad at so-and-so. And I think this is one of the biggest places, if we will get ourselves to the place of realizing nothing in our life happened that didn't pass through God's hand first. He may not have caused it, but he did allow it. And so we have got to get to the place where we can be honest with him that, hey, we're mad at you because you're in control. Like, you could have fixed this. Second thing to know is that he is good. The Lord... Oops, which place stands probably at your right hand to protect you. That's Psalm 110. And then give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So again, do we believe that he's good? Do I believe that every single thing that comes into my life is what's best for me? Because he promises everything that happens is good. So again, that's hard because I'm like, you're allowed. Now, it doesn't mean that the murder was good, but it means that he will make good from it and he's still good in my life. And so that's another place where it's like, we've got to fight to believe this truth. He doesn't make mistakes. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for perfection, protection, not perfection. He is perfect though. So he doesn't make mistakes. And that's another, how often have I looked at him and gone, did you miss the memo? Like, I can't handle this today. You crazy. Like, stop. And he's like, again, I don't make mistakes. Okay. All through scripture, God implores us. So if y'all noticed on your notes, I tried to make this easy. So you don't have to write these verses down. If you look on your paper, I'm giving you the headings. All the verses are right there. All right. He implores us. And I use that word because y'all, he like, he's begging us. Like, trust me. I'm good. I'm perfect. I don't make mistakes. I was going to read through all these because I think they're so good. But give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. That doesn't mean it's going to be hard things, but it means we're not going to slip and fall away from him if we will stay planted in his truth. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Y'all, Proverbs 3, 5, we throw that one around and we kind of go, oh, cookie cutter verse, like everybody knows it. That's probably one of the most foundational verses that I think we should almost all if you want to get a tattoo, tattoo it across your arm. Like, trust in him. This is that long one that we've read a thousand times. I tell you, don't worry about your everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's one of my favorites. Like, It's not doing anything. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. Yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And then 
I'm just going to skip sound. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. Woo! There you go. Bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Next. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. You, sorry. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. Underline that in your Bible. The world cannot give this, so don't be troubled or afraid. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. We're going to come back to that one, so I'm going to skip it. And let the peace of God that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as a member of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Is that my last one? Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every situation. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out, for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Is that my last one? It is, right? No. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. So, Again, over and over and over again, he's saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. Give me your worries. Give me your cares. Stop trying to carry it by yourself. And hard stuff's going to come. So we have like, we're promised that too. All of us experience it. There's not one person here that didn't write down a worry or care. But so often the things that are happening is God digging up our unbelief. Like he wants to find those places in our hearts where we don't trust him because trusting him being fully his, being all in with him is the absolute best place we can be. So he knows if there's anything in that gap that's keeping you from him, he wants to dig that up. It's what's best for you. But in digging up our belief, it's really hard because we need to stop and thank him because that means he's disciplining us as his child. None of us like discipline, but he disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. So if you feel in your life him digging up unbelief, thank him. Like he's there. That was the thing I had to keep remembering. I don't feel him, but the circumstances in my life are drawing me closer to him. And so he loves me. He's there. I just don't feel it all the time. And then the father instantly cried, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. How about that for a misspelling? That's, that's the different version. Um, overcome my unbelief. I... I think we're afraid to say we don't believe. Like, I think we're afraid to say this worry in my stomach is because I don't really trust you. And that's like this taboo thing to say to each other. And I think we've got to start saying it to each other. Like, I don't trust that God can take care of my child. I don't trust God can get my husband home from work on icy roads. Like, I don't trust him. And we have got to be able to say that to each other. I found so much freedom when I just started saying out loud, I don't trust him. I don't believe God's going to take care of that. I don't believe he has my best interest in mind. And the enemy had to start fleeing because it's out there. Like now everybody knows it. Now all of you know it. Okay. Um, Linger Conference. Just write down lingerconference.com. They haven't put them up yet from this year, but Ben Stewart and Todd Wagner's talks were amazing. And I almost just ripped off everything they said. I didn't, but I got close. Um, And something, um, we haven't said it, and I just decided to throw it in right here. Feelings are real, but not always reliable. That, I give it, I give credit to Wagner because he's the one I've heard say it for a really, really long time, too many times. So somebody else probably said it, but I'll just give him the credit for it. Our feelings, God made us, emotions are real. Like we, we all have them, but they're not reliable. It doesn't mean they're based on truth. And so it's okay to express them. It's okay to feel it, but you got to go wrangle them back in sometimes to go, hey, what is true in this circumstance? Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says, don't worry about anything. 
dang it that he didn't give us space. Like, don't worry about most things. Nope, brother said nothing. Don't worry about any of it. Instead, pray about everything. And so casting our cares, that picture, Ben Stewart said it's the picture of when you throw a, what's that thing called when you're fishing? (laughs) Reel and rod, that thing. Um, When you throw that, like you're casting, you're getting it off of yourself. So if you're laying under something, you cast it off like it's going away. You're getting it away from yourself. So you're tell God what you need. You cannot tell God what you need if you don't spend time with him. It's not happening. He knows what you're thinking, but you're not casting your cares when you're keeping it all up here. You've got to get it out. So it means you've got to spend time with him. And you have to thank him for all he has done. This is a huge one for me to remember. I've got this jar of rocks. Um, some of y'all have been through parenting stuff or that your husbands have been through dad's class. But I have these rocks every time God does something that I've prayed about that he's been faithful. Anytime he brings me someone, I write them on these rocks, I date them, and I throw them in this jar. And then there have been times in my depression where I go dump all those out and I sit on my floor and I read them again. They go all back in the jar. And if I have to do it again, you've got to remember you've got to have people in your life that know so they can help you remember. Then, which is a bummer, because he says, like, this comes after all that. Dang it. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And y'all, I mean, that's just a big deal. So... I'm trying so hard to go fast. All right. I think I might have missed. I did. I totally missed my story, so I'm going back. On this time when, um, when you're anxious, when you're sleep deprived, when you're a new mom, when you um, don't feel like it, spending time with the Lord is really hard. And I didn't talk that it used to be wasn't building blocks. And this is where I said they're going to throw tomatoes at me because. Y'all, you have to spend time with them. Like you can't, you can't forfeit that. If you do forfeit your shower to spend time with the Lord, forfeit the dishes to spend time with the Lord. Every time you spend time with Him, He will give it back to you. There, in the mornings when I don't spend time with Him, getting ready is the weirdest thing. I'm like, why can't I get ready in that normal 20 minutes? Like this should not be that difficult. Like I can't figure out what to wear. And I mean, it's just crazy. I spend time with the Lord and I get ready in 20 minutes. It's not that big of a deal. He gives it back. But when I don't prioritize, everything gets out of whack. When I, this last round of depression, when I was sick, wasn't sleeping a lot, and so, and I wasn't feeling him. I'm like, I don't know where you are, but this isn't working. I was laying in my bed every morning, choosing to go back to sleep. He would wake me up, and I would choose to go back to sleep. And this morning, I was laying there fighting with the Lord, going, I don't want to get up. And so I curled back over, turned my alarm for however many long, you know, later, and I rolled back over, and I'm laying there, like, I'm going back to sleep. And I'm like, something is crawling on me. Surely not. No, it is. And so I reached down and right here in my shorts, felt it. I grabbed it and I threw it across the room and I was like, shut up. And so saw it, a roach, and I was like, really? And so never seen a roach in my apartment. Not before, not since. So I'm laying there and I'm like, really? And y'all, this is my car. You're going to use a roach to wake me up? For real, a roach. That is... That is not cool. And so I'm laying there going, and then it, then it, I just threw him in my room so he's still there. I'm like, crap. So I get up. I told him I was going to cuss at some point. I haven't yet. Okay, so I get up and I grab my Kleenex and I go pick him up off the floor and I crunch him in the Kleenex. I'm so annoyed that I'm away. I mean, crunching people, crunch, crunch, crunch. He is dead. Throw it in the trash. Well, now I'm really awake. So I'm like, fine, I'll spend time with you. So I'm sitting in my bed, got my journal out, annoyed, and I'm just journaling and in my trash can scratching. And I'm like, no, I'm making that up. Okay. Keep journaling. No bull. I look down and that brother's climbing out of my trash can. 
And I'm like, seriously, I killed you. Like, you crunched. So I picked the trash bag. Do not ask me why I didn't take in the toilet. You can't think straight when you're tired. Anyway, whatever. I just picked the trash, the little Walmart bag, and I tied it off, you know, and I set it next to my bed. And this one, I got to get ready. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. So I'm not leaving him there because I'm like, he's going to get out of that. So I take him to the bathroom and I set him down on the floor and he's just like trying to get out. And I'm starting to get ready. And this is, Lord, really? A roach? Like of all, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, just turn the lights on in my room. Do something crazy, but a roach. And he's scratching and I'm thinking, but I even killed you. Like, how are you still alive? And I hear this thing go through my head. You were crushed. You're oppressed on every side, but you are not destroyed. And the Lord was like, I have you. Like, there's nothing anyone can do to you that is going to take you out unless it's time for me to take you out. And I went, dang it, a roach? <laughs> like, okay, I mean, if you're going to use something, I, I, okay. But I thought, you know, he wants time with me and he wants to comfort me and he wants to hold me in that truth. And if I lay in my bed and choose sleep over that, I'm the one missing out. And so now, anytime I think about turning my life, I go, no, I don't want a roach. I'm out. I'm out of my bed. Okay. So, all right. Next, next one. I'm not kidding. Every morning it happens if I try to sleep in. Okay. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one thing is final. Fix your thoughts. Now, when we cast, that means there's empty space. Okay. So our mind, something's going to fill up in there. So when we cast it out, we've now made room. If we don't fill it with truth, something else will come in. So this is when he says, take every thought captive. It is taking those thoughts and throwing them out and going, no, I will choose to believe what is true. And sometimes you just have to straight up convince yourself. It's true because he said it's true. I don't feel it. I'm not even sure I believe it today, but this is what I'm putting in my brain. So on what is true and honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. So I put on repeat, like this is a constant I don't know how many times a day I do this. Like all the time. I'm constantly going crazy, crazy, crazy thoughts up there. And sometimes they are crazy. It's okay, Morgan. I can call myself crazy. Most people in my life do. All you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So again, he keeps saying there's this condition. Like you've got to do these things so that that peace can overwhelm your hearts. All right, next. Sorry. Okay, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. For whatever reason right now, this has become like my verse. And so that's why I made you all that little card to put somewhere in your house so that you can hang that up and remember, which I think that's a huge thing to do. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who draw strength from mere flesh and who turn their hearts away from the Lord. That's, that, that mere flesh and humans, that's your husband, that's your kids, that's your co-workers, that's your boss, that's your friends, that's you, anybody. If you're putting your hope in those people, it's not going to go well with you. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will have no hope for the future, which even means doctors. It even means sleep. Anything of this world we're trying to put out our hope in, it will not work. It just won't work. And God won't let it work, which is the great thing is he's going, no, I don't want that to work because it's not what's best. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Bummer. But, next slide. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope and confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. My favorite part about this is it doesn't say there's never heat doesn't mean there's never a drought. It just means that that tree has said, I know where the source of life is. I know where I'm going to plug in. And so I'm going to be right there 
all the time because that's where life is. That's us. We've got to plant ourselves by the living water. When you've tasted water, I don't know about y'all, but once I get my body used to drinking water, when I don't have it, I'm like, oh, I think I really could die. And then I have to keep going back to it. I've also used the analogy when you drink Nestle quick and then, or you eat, I don't know, we'll say Hershey, I might get myself in trouble. And then you go chase some real legit chocolate or real chocolate milk. You're like, oh wait, who wants that? Like I'm going to that. And so you've got to immerse yourself in that so you don't forget what that is. All right. Um, what's next? Hope. Yeah, I think it says up there. And hope up there. Yeah, hope. Um, he promises it's there. Y'all, we may die completely depressed, poor, broken, whatever. But we've got to remember where our hope is found. And that's in what's coming. All this is going to pass away. This is temporary. And that is not easy to remember, which is why you got to get people up around you to do that. On your cards, you wrote stuff that you worry about on the front and you wrote stuff on the back that's true about who God is. The stuff on the front cannot consume you if the God, of, the God on the back of that card is true. And so take that card with you and keep reminding yourself if he is who he says he is, he can handle the things on the front of this card. So take that to remind yourself. All right, we are humans. We will struggle. The goal is to keep running back to him. So... What happens in fear in the midst of it? Cast your cares on him. So we talked about that. You've got to keep throwing those things on him. Psalm 13 is David when he's crying out and he says, how long, how long, how long, how long? Like he just keep like, where the jack are you? Like what in the world? This has been forever. And I, there's some days I was like, it has been long enough. And then I remember they were in the desert for 40 years. Please don't make me do that. Please don't take me there for 40. But don't let my enemies gloat. We have defeated him. Like, please don't let them win. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. David had to know truth. He had to have something that he kept going back to. And so in those times when you're journaling, you got to write those things out. You got to be honest with the Lord. You, if you're not honest with him, you're not getting it out there. You're not casting that stuff on him. And then you got to return to truth. So next, combat those lies with truth. There's a chart on your, um, that I gave you all in your little packet, um, that... We worked this up for a study that we did this past summer. And this is just such a great visual for me. If I am feeling any of those things on the left, there's a lie that I'm believing. There's something that has consumed my mind and my thoughts that has taken over. And so I've got to figure out. So there's a ton of questions there for you. What am I believing or not believing? What's the truth about me and about God? What lies or emotions or circumstances? What are they telling me? What am I dwelling on? So there's just a whole list of questions there. You can add your own questions. So this is not exhaustive. But um, broken cisterns, the broken cisterns are the things of this world. Like where am I running to things that will not bring life, that can't hold water? That's not the living water. What am I running to? And so if you want to feel the things on the right, you got to get away from the lies on the left and you've got to move yourself to truth. And so that's just a great, it's for me, that's how I have to keep telling myself, like this is how you got to do it. We also gave you, there's a, on one page, truth for comfort. Every one of those verses is in, highlighted in red in my Bible, like circled, starred in every one of them. Because I went through and I'm like, when, on those days where I want to flip it over and God say something to me, I know where to go. Like find the red ones if I'm feeling that, if I need to send it to someone else. So I would encourage you to take those, look them up, circle, circle, circle. On the back of that is every time God tells us in scripture, do not be afraid. That's a lot, which means two things. One, he knows we're going to be. And two, he doesn't want you to be, okay? So he keeps imploring you, trust me, trust me, trust me. Um, and the other thing that I'll do sometimes, I ask myself, what's my worst fear? 
Like, really, if this comes true, what does that mean? And the majority of the time, it means I'm in heaven with him. I'm like, how great is that? Okay? And it took me a long time to get there. But if I die, it means I'm in heaven with him. Now, I do worry about the people I leave behind. But again, they're not mine to worry about. God takes care of them just like he takes care of me. So it's really helpful if I'll go, what's the worst thing that could happen? Can God get me through that? He can. Okay? Um, Next is, sorry, community. Bring it into the light, which we've just said that a thousand times. No one has ever said anything to me that I have not heard either someone say to me or someone else in that circle and go, oh yeah, I've been there too. Never, not one time has anyone looked to me and gone, yeah, I got nothing for you. Like enemy traps us in our minds and we got to get out. We got to get out. Okay. Care for yourself. This is one I think we don't talk about enough. If you're not sleeping, your brain will go crazy. There's a reason why he put time in there for us to sleep. We have got to sleep. If you can't sleep, then get some people to be praying for you. There's some things to do for that. And I'm not necessarily saying medication. That's not what I meant. Um, Although you might have to have that. Eat well. It matters. If you're all on sugar and all you're doing is loading yourself with a bunch of junk food, your body can't function. This is one that in the last couple years the Lord has snapped me with. Like, I can tell the difference when I eat a cheeseburger and pizza and fries all day or when I actually put nutrients in my body that actually help me. It's the weirdest thing. And then exercise, he set up our bodies to be moving. And so there's stuff that happens in our brains, all those endorphins and all that stuff that happens. But anyway, it actually helps. It's weird. Um, it's amazing how he set us up and it actually works. Um, I've said this is not a one and done. Okay, what if I'm not struggling? What if this is all these people are crazy? Um, which is fine. Prepare. Your day will come. <laughs> not saying you'll end up where we were. Not saying that. But none of us are immune, or he wouldn't have said do not fear that many times in Scripture. None of us are immune of fear and worry because our flesh is weak. And so prepare yourself. Do all these things that we're telling you because when you got yourself planted, then the drought comes. You cannot prepare for a storm in the midst of a storm. When a hurricane comes in Texas City, it is not the time to be, like the hurricanes here, it's not the time to put the wood up on your windows. This is not going to work out. So you got to prepare now. Enjoy, enjoy the seasons of flowers and everything's happy, but you've got to be preparing. Like, use your energy for good. Um, oh, that sounded very something. Do you know what I mean? Just like, take your time. Do it right. Okay. What, I don't know where that came from. All right. What do I do if I know um, someone who is struggling with it? So, don't try to fix. It's the worst thing you can do is try to fix it. But I would also say, don't let worry and anxiety become an acceptable sin. I think we kind of let each other off the hook because it's, oh, hey, I worry about my kids that much too. And I am that stressed out too. So it is okay. It is okay. But stop staying there together. Y'all have got to love each other well and move yourselves into truth. When I text my community group, which I do like all the time, I'd send it to like 19 people this morning. Pray for me today that I don't be succumbed to the enemy and the lies that it matters what these people think about me. Like, you can't stay there. And they don't text me back and go, oh, you're so wonderful. They text me back, God's in control of this, you're not. Don't make it about me. And they don't, they don't make it about me. And they don't tell me how great I am, which I'm like, well, just once in a while, you could tell me I'm okay. <laughs> but, but that's not what I need. And so they don't give it to me. Okay, don't shy away from truth, which is, that's all part of that. And then don't forget. I think this one is really big. When I know someone's going through a hard time, I had a friend who was in the midst of some really hard depression and I texted her every, and this is not about me. I'm just going to tell you what happened. So don't 
Oh, Suzanne's so great. I text her every morning for a year, a verse. I didn't say anything else. That's all I sent her. Every single morning was a verse because God's word is enough. I don't have to pre- I don't have to tell her anything else about it. Just send her the verse. You can repeat verses. They don't remember. But take that sheet that I gave you. Just send those. But it was the sweetest thing because literally if ever there was a morning that I missed, she would like, um, hey, where'd you go? I'm like, are you okay? And so... But it, it helped her remember truth and it made her, like, God is paying attention to me. Like, God knows. And so, y'all, truth is your friend. Use it. Force it upon some people. Okay. Now, what we're going to do. I don't even know what time it is. But here's what's going to happen. Hey, that was not too bad. Okay. Um, we're going to have some time with just you and Jesus right now. And I know this is a little weird. It's not normal when we do at the nest. And it's not to put pressure on you. You don't have to come out of this next however long I decide if we're doing two or three songs, I don't know yet. You may just want to sit there and just listen to the song. These are songs that in the last couple weeks, the Lord has been like, use this one. I'm like, okay, I'm on it. And songs do a lot. There's a sheet on like some of the other resources that we gave you. That worry versus trust card is um, just, I put this in my house. It's that blue card that's right in the middle of your table. It's a choice. It really is a choice, and we've got to make the choice. Are we going to trust the Lord, or are we going to worry? And so this is something that I hung up in my house since I made one for y'all. just reminds me, like, what am I doing? Am I worrying, or am I trusting? There's also, on the back of the notes at the very end, there's a Spotify list that John Abel and Wagner put together, um, and it's called Songs for the Valley. You can search for John Abel on Spotify and look for that to follow it. It's real good. And then we gave you some book recommendations of things that have helped us in the midst of um, those things. Ta-da. I think that's all. Uh, yeah. Okay. So in the next um, couple of minutes, what I want you to do is you can just listen. You can write. Just what's God saying to you? If you have someone that you're like, you know what? I'm really doing okay, Lord. Thank you. Thank him right now for that. Remember. <laughs> things when you haven't and what he's done. And then if you're at a place where you're like, hey, I'm really good, but this person is not, get your phone out and text them. Send them truth right now so that they know like, hey, God has not forgotten me. And so we're going to do that. And then um, in terms of texting us questions and stuff, we put our information on there because I don't think we're going to have time for the Q&A. Y'all email us. Like if you're like, I am in it. Tell your small group leader right now, person sitting around the table, come find one of us. We're just going to be lingering in here. Um, don't leave here without raising your hand. Like it just, the enemy wants you to stay in silence. We've all been really honest with you. It sucks and there's crap up in your head and you've got to get it out. And so please don't leave here and be up in here or afraid. We get it in terms of it's hard. We don't necessarily know exactly where you are, but we don't want you to leave here on your own and just go, I can do this or muscle through. So please come talk to one of us and email us if you have other questions. And that's all. So spend time with the Lord and then we'll come up and close.